Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio. And how the tech are ya? You know, we've been talking about driverless cars for quite a few years now, even on this show. And in previous episodes of Tech Stuff, I've talked about the various levels of autonomy, which range from zero, which means the vehicle in question really has no driver assist features at all. And the human behind the wheel is responsible for everything, you know, barring some sort of mechanical issue at any rate. And then you go all the way up to level five autonomy, which is a car that's so smart you could enroll it in Harvard. No, but seriously, a level five autonomous vehicle would have no need for human accessible controls. It would just transport people and or cargo wherever under any driving conditions at any time of day or night. We're currently hovering around levels two and three at the moment, mostly. There are pushes to get to level four, But as it has turned out, the technology necessary to create truly autonomous vehicles that can operate anywhere at any time 
is harder than some of us, myself included, initially thought. And most of our discussions about driverless cars treat the vehicles as you know, self-contained computing systems that just happen to be on the go. So by that, I mean the car mostly is relying on its own sensors to understand what is going on around it. The car's decision-making systems are fully contained within the vehicle itself. And you can think of a highway filled with those types of autonomous vehicles being kind of similar to a room filled with computers that are not connected to each other. So they are not networked. They're all individual computers. Each machine is sophisticated and it's capable, but it's also independent of all the others. Other visions of a driverless future involve cars that can communicate with one another directly or even potentially with roads and infrastructure. These cars would depend not just on their own sensors, but those of the vehicles around it. They would remain in constant communication to provide the smoothest, safest, and most efficient ride from point A to point B. So they would be kind of part of a mesh network. And to get to that future, we would need to agree upon a standardized protocol for these cars to follow. Otherwise, you could have a world where Toyotas wouldn't talk to Fords. They would only talk to other Toyotas and that kind of thing. That would be a nightmare. That would not be helpful. Anyway, that's not the direction that most companies are going in right now, though I suspect some companies that are more focusing on creating autonomous transportation vehicles for stuff like cargo are at least looking at this from a fleet-wide perspective that could serve a similar purpose, but specifically for this particular you know, business model. But today, I wanted to talk about a slightly different approach. Uh, and I've talked about this a little bit in the past when I've talked about autonomous cars. So this one has had several different incarnations over the years, and it's it's a cool idea on the surface, but it's probably the least practical for driverless vehicles or autonomous vehicles insofar as the amount of work we would need to do on an infrastructure level and the amount of consensus we would have to have across all parties in the space. But this is the concept of the automated highway system. With this kind of system, you would have embedded networks that are along or under or above highways and these systems would provide guidance to the vehicles on the road, perhaps even to the extent of controlling all the vehicles on the road. So in that kind of a system, the road would be the one doing the driving. In other words, it would send commands to all the vehicles traveling on the lanes, which would follow those commands. And it would be kind of like an automated air traffic control system with the automated highway guiding vehicles on and off the highway seamlessly in a way to avoid traffic congestion and to avoid accidents. And it's a neat idea. It's just, I won't, I won't say impossible, but about as close to impossible as you can get without it being impossible to do. But that doesn't mean that folks haven't tried. The idea itself is actually coming up on being a century old. I mean, okay, we still have 17 years to go. And yeah, 17 years for, for many of you will seem like a really long time, but the older I get, the less, <laughs> the less long 17 years sounds to me. But we are getting close to a century of following along this idea. So back in 1939, GM sponsored a pavilion at the World's Fair in New York. I've talked about this in past Tech Stuff episodes too, but it's one of my favorite 
historical examples of futuristic thinking. So GM had a pavilion that was called the Highways and Horizons Pavilion. And uh, the centerpiece of this pavilion was an exhibit called Futurama. Bum, 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 bum. That's all I can hum of that before I get a DMCA strike. Anyway, uh, Futurama in this case was this massive model of what a landscape of the future could look like. And it included, you know, cityscapes and rural areas. It included farms and hydroelectric facilities. Like it, it was expansive. It was huge and incredible. It included some moving components too. A theatrical designer named Norman Bell Geddes masterminded this exhibit. And Geddes, uh, he was a real forward thinker. Uh, you can actually watch a full film that details the Futurama model on YouTube. It's about 25 minutes long. And uh, you can even tell that this film inspired lots of later attractions, particularly the ones that opened with the debut of Epcot way back when at Walt Disney World. Uh, if you've ever been on any of those old Epcot rides or you watched videos of those old Epcot rides, they owe a lot to this particular film of the Futurama exhibit from way back in 1939. Anyway, the film covers a lot of different bits, but the part we're interested in is this idea of automated highways. Uh, now, keep in mind, this, this blue sky automated highway concept came at a time when highways themselves were really new in the United States. The U.S. was in the process of laying out highways in 1939 to connect major cities together, even as Geddes's exhibit suggested a, a revolutionary approach. Uh, also, I want to add a note here. While the view of the future was very forward-thinking, if you watch this film, you're like, wow, this was you know, really imaginative. Uh, the social concepts definitely were not forward-thinking. The film uh, that's about the Futurama exhibit, is, it pretty much outright says that men are behind all the progress. It just uses men as the default. And clearly that ignores the fact that countless others besides men made significant contributions up to 1939 and, and since. And uh, yeah, I just want to call that out because, you know, we should. So it's, it's certainly not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination. However, the exhibit gives us a view of the far off future of 1960. Keep in mind that was 20 years away when this exhibit was being shown. And the motorways in this exhibit allow cars to travel at designated speeds. Uh, the accompanying film says that those speeds are 50, 75, and 100 miles per hour. And they will maintain proper distance from other cars through, quote-unquote, radio control. So presumably, the motorway itself is the transmitter and the cars are receivers. Alternatively, the cars could be both transmitters and receivers and be communicating with each other. It's not entirely clear. Now, you could argue that the 1939 exhibit was marketing, and it was just overly optimistic projections about the future for the purposes of marketing for GM. And I think you would have a pretty solid argument if you said that. I'm not sure anyone involved really believed that this particular vision of the future was what was going to happen by 1960, but then it's always hard to predict the future, even if it's just a short ways out. Also, the U.S. of 1939 was entering into very uncertain territory. It was recovering from the Great Depression. 
which was finally coming to an end after a decade of economic turmoil, and the U.S. had not yet entered into World War II. And obviously, the experience of World War II would affect the American point of view significantly. It would really boost xenophobia, for one thing. But let's skip on ahead. While Geddes' vision of 1960 did not manifest in reality, we did not get these automated highways by 1960, there were folks who were working on the concept of automated highways, at least researching ways where perhaps it could be possible. And that was mostly focusing on mechanical systems and radio control systems. And over time, as computers began to evolve and become more commonplace, there was a transition toward looking at computer-controlled systems, the hope that maybe a computer would be sophisticated enough to handle the complex operations that would be required to have a truly automated highway system. But computers themselves were really large and limited early on. As they evolved, there was also another big shift. And I'll talk about that after we come back from this quick break. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? 
time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Okay, before the break, I was talking about how as computer systems were starting to get more sophisticated and smaller, miniaturization being a big part of this, we started to see a shift, and that shift would end up being a, a really significant one as far as the concept and uh, plausibility of, of automated highway systems are concerned. And that was that car companies were starting to design and integrate driver safety features in vehicles and these features bordered or sometimes overlapped the autonomous car concept. So, for example, cruise control. The actual idea of cruise control is almost as old as the car itself. It's essentially a way of having a car maintain a set speed. Uh, in some cases, it was a set speed that the driver couldn't choose. Like, it was either full throttle or not. But then later you had more sophisticated systems that let you set cruise control at a speed of your choosing and your vehicle would just maintain that speed. Now that was just one tiny step toward creating systems that would augment a driver's ability to navigate the roads safely and moreover serve as a kind of building block toward autonomous cars. Obviously a lot more systems would be needed in order to even remotely consider a car to be autonomous but these were the steps that were leading in that direction. And we would see that trend continue. Over time, cars would get more systems that would make them safer and be able to take over certain operations. You know, cars would get integrated cameras, which would help when you're you know, backing out of a space, for example. They'd get collision sensors, they get lane detection sensors, and much more. So the cars were evolving into smart machines that could operate on essentially a dumb network, right? You can think of the roads and highway systems as a network, and the network itself is fairly robust. I mean, if you drive in Atlanta, you might question that with all the potholes, but you get what I'm saying. It's a robust system, but it's dumb. It, it does not have any real intelligent components itself. And the cars became the smart components, smart devices that could navigate dumb systems. Meanwhile, in research organizations such as the Partners for Advanced Transit and Highways, or PATH, which originated out of the University of California, you had researchers who were looking into various approaches for autonomous driving, which included auto highway technologies. So not just, you know, how can we make an autonomous car, but would it be possible to make a highway system that itself was intelligent and re remove the requirement of having intelligent vehicles instead. Now, this was in the 1980s, and it started to take up some momentum because, you know, in the 1980s, we certainly were miles, no pun intended, miles away from the technologies that would allow a truly autonomous vehicle. So by 1991, things got uh, shifted into a higher gear, to use another pun. I'm just going to keep doing those, I guess. I don't mean to. I honestly don't. But the U.S. government passed the Intermodal Surface Transportation Efficiency Act, or IST. And that's often a question we ask here in Atlanta, Georgia, 
when someone hands us a drink, we point to it and say, is tea? Anyway, this act laid the groundwork for early testing of automated vehicles and roadways. So the U.S. Department of Transportation would then create the National Automated Highway System Research Program, or NAHSRP. Uh, This program's main purpose was to establish specifications for an automated highway system. Again, because with so many different players in the space, like all the different law agencies across, you know, federal and state and regional systems, you have all the different car companies that are involved. Like there are a lot of different players who are uh, deeply (laughs) concerned with things like highway technologies. You have to establish standards so that there is interoperability between the system and all the vehicles, right? Again, if you have a system that only communicates with one type of vehicle, then it's not really a good system, right? For anything other than that vehicle, it's a terrible system, or it might as well not exist. In 1994, the Department of Transportation created the National Automated Highway System Consortium. So this was kind of a a think tank that was made up of more, around like a hundred different members across nine major categories. Those categories included things like research organizations, uh, government agencies, again, at, at different levels like federal, state, and local. It included academic organizations like the University of California, and of course, representatives from the transportation industry. So the hope was that by including all of these groups in the conversation, that everyone would be able to arrive at a consensus that would make the most viable, efficient, safe, and practical solution for automated highways. Um, Also, hopefully, most affordable, because you would ultimately be turning to the U.S. taxpayer to foot the bill for these kind of things. And I think that was a wise move in some ways, because it's always good to get stakeholders involved One, just to make sure that the solutions you are designing actually solve real-world problems. There are a lot of times where we talk about an approach or a technology, and we refer to it as a solution that's looking for a problem. That's not ideal, right? If If you have identified what the problem is, then you can work to solve it, but you have to make sure that your solution actually does address the problem. That's one reason why you want to have lots of different stakeholders there. You also want to have buy-in across the entire industry or else, again, interoperability becomes a problem. However, when you include all these different voices, there's always the danger that projects descend into a designed-by-committee approach where it feels like all the really progressive concepts have been sanded down until they aren't really interesting anymore, or worse, you fail to find any common ground and nothing gets done. So between 1991 and 1997, researchers poured some serious effort into conceptualizing an automated highway system. So the benefits of such a system, if it worked, were obvious on the surface. Like everyone could agree, this is a good idea insofar as what the goal is because you would reduce traffic congestion, which would improve travel times. It would also reduce fuel consumption, so that was an added benefit. And it would improve the quality of life for motorists across the nation. They'd be spending less time in transit and more time doing whatever it was they wanted to do. 
So like those are pretty obvious benefits of such a system. Uh, the reduction of accidents would also be incredibly important. It could save tens of thousands of lives every year. It is impossible to overstate how important that is. The impact of deaths due to traffic accidents is gargantuan. Uh, there's the personal impact on all the friends and family of the people who were lost. There's the financial impact. There's the societal impact. Uh, you know, we no longer have those people contributing to society. So yeah, that's one of those things where not only is it great just the idea of saving these lives, we all stand to benefit from that, right? We all stand to benefit from the fact that these people are still around and contributing to society. Not to mention you save a lot of money and property in the process of reducing accidents. So the goal was clear. How to get to the goal was the matter of debate. That debate largely ended in 1997. Why? Well, I mean, ultimately, the easy answer is the money fell out. Uh, so in part, the issue was that all those stakeholders were, in fact, having trouble agreeing upon the right approach and the components that would have to go into an automated highway, as well as into the vehicles that would be compatible with such highways. You know, the whole goal was to build consensus, but over the years, that just became impossible to do. You had too many different voices with different agendas, and there was no common ground to really solidify a, a, a path forward. So nothing was happening. And since the consortium was making very little headway, it was pretty hard to justify continuing to fund it. So in 97, the U.S. government passed another act. This one was the T-21 Act, T-E-A-21. And that pulled financial support from the automated highway research programs to put it in other areas. The DOT essentially made the decision to focus more on safety-oriented technologies like the aforementioned lane detection technologies. And essentially what the government was leaning toward was where the automotive industry was already headed, which would mean you would have these independent autonomous vehicles or increasingly autonomous vehicles that would navigate within an environment rather than an intelligent environment that would guide vehicles to their respective destinations. Now, some say the technologies we're seeing evolve in vehicles in general and autonomous vehicles in particular could be a stepping stone toward automated highways in the future. I'll talk more about that after we take this quick break. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward, inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. So could autonomous vehicles be a step toward intelligent highways? You know, maybe we will see autonomous vehicle technologies converge with intelligent highways and that the true future of motoring will be a combination of both intelligent infrastructure and intelligent vehicles working together. Uh, you could imagine, you know, highways that are able to meter traffic onto them with uh, autonomous cars so that there are no bottlenecks on entrances and exits to the highway, for example, right? That's a possibility. However, for all of that to work out, we again have to create and agree upon standards that work across all parties. All the uh, intelligent highway systems, whenever we would design and implement those, and all the different vehicles, or else you have cars that won't know how to talk to highways or cars that don't know how to talk to each other and so on. And you just end up again with individual smart vehicles and the same effect of an overall dumb system. Also, we have to consider some of the massive challenges that come along with building and implementing an automated highway system. Uh, so first of all, doing so would require massive investment in infrastructure. That is always a tough thing to get going in the United States for multiple reasons. Like we did see a national infrastructure bill this year, uh, but it did not go easily. And it turns out you know, like folks are not super jazzed about having to pay more in taxes, which is kind of understandable. Um, and without massive investment, it would not be possible to build out a smart infrastructure. 
even if we had one that was designed and ready to go and everyone had agreed upon this is the right approach, even if that were the case and it's not, it would still be really hard to sell that to the American public and say, this is worth paying for. So that's one hurdle, just getting the money to pay for the rollout of such a system, let alone the continued maintenance and operation of that system. Also building out that kind of a a system would take a huge amount of time. Uh, You get into a lot of real world issues with this one. I mean, like, like finding the right contractors to do the work is it's kind of a boring thing to talk about, but it's realistically one of the big challenges. I mean, hopefully they, the government ends up finding contractors who don't end up having suspicious links to the people who hold the purse strings because that happens all the time and it's never good. Um, you also have to deal with unexpected problems as you're deploying systems. This happens in any system. doesn't matter how big or how complicated it is. It'll happen. And with something this huge, it'll happen a lot. Uh, also, just building out a system so it reaches all the areas necessary. I mean, the broadband initiatives in this country show that it's very easy to underserve or even not serve at all certain regions. That would be a huge disadvantage to people who live and work in those regions. So this is a ton of work. And it's, it's again, it's not impossible, but it is very hard. And the harder it is, the less likely we're going to see it happen. The actual technical requirements would be pretty darn daunting, too. You would need a system capable of detecting, controlling, and coordinating every vehicle on the road. And the system would have to have an exceptionally high reliability factor because obviously mistakes could lead to accidents, which could mean loss of property and obviously much, much worse. In some ways, the system could be simpler than what you see with autonomous vehicles, uh, at least as long as you know conditions are normal. But then we all know that driving conditions are paradoxically rarely normal. All it takes is an animal running across a lane of traffic or a pop-up heavy thunderstorm to turn a normal drive into a dangerous one. An automated highway system would need to be able to detect and cope with these sort of things in a safe and reliable way that wouldn't affect the overall system operations, right? So let's say you got a big old pop-up thunderstorm along one stretch of highway. Well, you would have to have the highway deal with this all down the pathway of the road so that you didn't have congestion and traffic jams because while the the vehicles moving through the very heavy storm might have to reduce their speed that means well three miles back where there is no rain you're going to have to deal with that too you're going to have to reduce speed there or else you're going to start encountering traffic congestion so like these are really complicated systems right Then there are privacy concerns. So presumably an automated highway system would have to differentiate against all the different vehicles traveling on the lanes, right? If you didn't differentiate all the vehicles, that would be disastrous because you wouldn't know that vehicle one and vehicle two are in fact two different vehicles. So maybe the system would assign a unique identifier to each vehicle as it entered the highway. Maybe manufacturers would include a unique identifier within a car's systems itself and the highway would detect that. But either way, the highway will, quote unquote, know where each car is going when it got on the highway, when it got off the highway. That means that each and every driver on that highway 
at least every driver who has a compatible system, more on that in a second, will be tracked as long as they are on that highway. That is a major privacy concern. So that's another issue that has to be solved. Then that brings us to the other big hurdle, which is adoption. By that, I mean cars won't magically be able to communicate with an automatic highway system. Let's let's imagine that you know we've designed and built out an incredible intelligent highway system uh, down this one particular highway. Well, you have to have cars that can interact with that system, right? I mean, there's no there's no magical connection there. So the cars themselves have to have required systems in order to interoperate with the highways. Now, if you had taken a very collaborative approach along with like car manufacturing companies and you worked with them, well, potentially those car manufacturers might have started to include compatible systems in their vehicles in the years leading up to the deployment of the intelligent system on the highway. So in other words, maybe you've got two or three years worth of vehicle models that already have those systems in place. They just, you know, weren't connecting to anything until the highway was ready to go. That would help a little bit, right? People who had newer cars would be able to interact with this intelligent highway. But it's not like you're going to convince every single person to trade in their vehicle for a new one. And that means your automated highway system will still have human-operated vehicles on it. It will only be communicating with certain cars on the highway and everybody else will still be regular old humans driving on on the roads. That adds in uncertainty, right? That's an uncontrolled variable in the system. So even if the system is working flawlessly, these uncontrolled variables can cause problems. That's very dangerous. And there's not really an easy solution to that. In fact, you know, even if you have a system that works, what you're likely going to see is that the only the people who are buying the most expensive cars will initially be able to interact with it, which will create haves and have-nots on the highway. And that doesn't sound like it's a really good system either. Now, one way you could potentially get around this, it's not a practical solution, but it's it's kind of like a pie-in-the-sky sort of solution is to incorporate something similar to one of the many variations we've seen on the Hyperloop concept, uh, namely the sled. So one of Elon Musk's Hyperloop concepts involved uh, driving your vehicle onto a sled that in turn could navigate through the Hyperloop system. So with this concept, drivers would drive up and park their car or other vehicle on a sled And the sled would then navigate onto a track of some sort, like a highway. So the car remains parked, but the sled zooms off to the destination, whereupon the driver then pulls off of the sled in their their vehicle and they drive the last mile or whatever. An automated highway system that used something similar to this could get around the fact that not all the vehicles on the road are compatible with the system. In fact, none of the vehicles would need to be compatible. It's the sleds that are compatible, not the vehicles. But in order to do that, you would have to build out these sled-based highway systems. Like you'd essentially have to recreate all the highways that exist or slowly convert them over while also allowing for traditional traffic to pass through them. That is why it doesn't sound like a practical solution to me. It just sounds like it's too big of a problem to to tackle. Even with an idealized implementation 
you still have concerns. Uh, The concept covers highways, but not other types of roads, which means whenever you're not on the highway, the vehicle will presumably be under human control. If it's an autonomous vehicle, well, then the question is, well, why do we need an automated highway? If all the vehicles are autonomous anyway, then we don't need the automated highway. Uh, If the vehicle isn't autonomous, well, then you still have issues when you're talking about uh, entrances and exits to the highway. Those could become bottlenecks and congestion points. Sure, traffic along the highway itself is smooth, but getting onto the highway or getting off the highway, that could be a very different situation. So it could create a new kind of headache. And there are a lot of other issues as well. I think people are more in favor of car companies doing all the R&D work and the implementation of technologies to make cars smarter and safer, then it's just up to the individual customer to decide if they want to pay for a vehicle that has those features instead of collectively supporting a national effort to transform the actual highway system. Like when you leave it up to the individual It's more palatable to people in the United States because here in the U.S., there's always been more of an inclination toward supporting individual freedom over buying into a larger program that, if it works, could benefit everyone. That's not a judgment on my part. I mean, it kind of is a little bit because, you know, I I do tend toward the more um, collaborative spectrum, but we have plenty of examples of government projects that failed somewhere along the way. So I wouldn't say that the inclination toward individual freedom is entirely selfish. I think part of it is somewhat practical, simply because there are these examples of big government programs that failed, which show a a massive sunk cost. And it's possible that automated highways could be in that category. So yeah, I think that's important to, to point out. Now, there has really been a shift more toward the concept of intelligent highways, which is sort of, it's really just a horse of a different color. It's the same, same animal, just has a different name. But yeah, intelligent highways largely talk about embedded technology along highways that can communicate and interact on at least some level with the vehicles that are traveling along the highways. Uh, in some cases, we're talking about things like a dedicated lane for uh, autonomous vehicles. But again, this still brings up the challenge of having to create a standard that everyone agrees to play by so that the technologies are compatible. Otherwise, it ends up working for just a tiny slice of the population and represents a massive, uh, inefficient approach to trying to solve a very difficult problem. So I find the idea of the automated highway system really attractive from the end result. But the problem is getting to the end result requires so many different pieces falling into place that it is, like I said, close to impossible. Uh, You know, if you had buy-in everywhere, then maybe. Like, I think if we lived in a very different world, which would not necessarily be a world I'd want to live in, but if we lived in a very different world where you had state-run Everything like state, essentially you're talking about like a a truly socialist or maybe even communist kind of society, Uh, then you could have a system where everything works together. But we've seen (laughs) pure socialist and communist societies that, you know, when you throw people into a system, it doesn't 
work as perfectly as the concept necessarily made it out to be. So I don't think it's practical. I I wish that it were uh, because I definitely see issues with the way we are going. We're relying on the smart vehicle and the dumb infrastructure. I see problems with that as well. It's not like all the problems disappear. It's just that uh, they become a little more manageable, a little more contained than we see when we try to address the overall system. So there's no perfect approach, I don't think. I, I do think that uh, while I would love to see a more integrated system that allows for rich communication between the infrastructure and vehicles, uh, because I think that that would greatly boost effectiveness, I don't see it as being something that we can realistically expect any time in the foreseeable future. Still, maybe that vision from way back in 1939, maybe it's still on the horizon, just like the pavilion was called. Maybe that horizon is still there. Maybe we're still headed toward it. It's just that our road is a little more long and winding than we first anticipated. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have suggestions for future topics, please reach out to me. You can do that by downloading the iHeartRadio app, navigating over to the Tech Stuff podcast section, click on that little microphone icon. You can leave me a voice message up to 30 seconds in length, or you can reach out to me on Twitter. The handle for the show is TechStuffHSW. I look forward to hearing from you, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors 
has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 